We're glad you're joining us here at Common Thread Online. This is a recording of our community gathering as we do each week to think together about the spiritual journey. At the end of the lesson, we open the floor for discussion, but we'd love to hear what you're thinking as well. On our website are directions to download our app. Once you have it, join the group. What are you thinking? We'd love to connect with you there. A few housekeeping notes, and most just to follow up on what I said uh, last week, which is thank you. I've been putting up things that have been needing doing around the community, and you have been responding, so really, thank you. Uh, several things have been taken up now. If uh, you go to the, get out your phone and go to that little QR code, you'll see that there are new ones, so let's actually do that. Go ahead and point your camera at the funny box, see if there's a way. Um, that you can help out the community. Um, we have what's coming. You know, you saw all the stuff that's going on uh, in the the room today. We're in the process now that the set's taken down of being able to get our systems in place to get a monitor mounted to get that thing around the wall. We got to get some sound panels so we can tune the. Um, the, the sound system. Also, we're going to need a lighting rack because sometimes the live stream doesn't work effectively. So uh, if you are handy, you'll see a box. Please click that one. Also, we're all keeping an eye out for a director for our teen ministry, even though right now we're focused on uh, birth through uh, sixth grade. Uh, we're getting those things, those systems in place. Next up is our teenage group. So if you've got an idea, click that box and we're going to contact you. If you'd like to help organize something outdoorsy, a hike or a bike ride or a kayak, uh, click that one. Also, we're looking for people who know how to sing harmony. So if you uh, know how to sing soprano or tenor or bass, please uh, click that box. And if you're interested in affordable housing, uh, in 2014, so it wasn't that long ago, in 2014, our sister organization to One Wake over in Durham, their group is called Durham Can. They started what we're about to start right now. <clears throat> so from 2014 until now, they have been able to uh, develop 1,000 affordable housing units in the city of Durham uh, <clears throat> that will stay affordable in perpetuity. In other words, they won't be one generation of affordable and they'll go to market uh, because the market becomes unsustainable over time. So this is an important thing in Wake County. When we surveyed 3,500 people, we said, what's the primary pain you feel? Uh, overwhelmingly affordable housing. We can actually make a difference. There's an organization called Nehemiah Project. It started in New York. It's actually been effective in Baltimore where churches get together for the purpose of developing affordable housing. If you would like to participate in that, I'm going to be involved in it. I hope you would too. Click that box. And again, thank you and uh, I very much love our community. So, <coughs> um, also before we begin, this is the last lesson in this uh, series. And uh, next week uh, wasn't going to be our community meeting. I was going to wait until March because I like to give several weeks notice for something as important as that. But the way the calendar fell and the way Lent is coming and the way Easter is coming, it worked out to do this next week. Next Sunday, the lesson is going to be combination, big picture, let's look at how society is shaped and small picture, what are we going to do as a community in response to that? It's going to be a community meeting more than it's going to be a lesson. So I hope you will participate next Sunday. If you can, be in the room. If you can't uh, be in the room, uh, please do uh, come online. How will we mount a response to a huge social shift that has happened over the last 25 years? What will we do to be healthy, vibrant human beings? So uh, I hope you'll participate in that next week. 
So you've seen the balloons. <clears throat> you know that uh, afterwards we are going to have our Mardi Gras, Mardi Gras brunch today. Mardi Gras, uh, you probably know this uh, in French, Fat Tuesday. It's a day that we celebrate on Tuesday before we begin on Ash Wednesday. And what Ash Wednesday is, is a time to launch a six-week season that we call Lent. Uh, it's a season where we focus on intentional living. We haven't done an Ash Wednesday service for a long time uh, in our community, but when we did, and when others do an Ash Wednesday service, there are words that are spoken at the time when the ashes are put on the forehead. And those words are, remember that you are dust, and remember that to dust you will return, and live well. There's more to it than that, but uh, live well. Remember that you're dust, remember that to dust you will return, so live well. That's kind of been the theme of this lesson that uh, we've been doing. There is not enough time, the Ecclesiastes problem tells us. 80 years is not enough time. 24 hours in a day is not enough time. There is never, never enough time. So we must decide. We must decide with intention what our yeses will be and what our noes will be. Our tradition has said that is so important that every year we're going to return to this focus, this Lenten focus, a time to reflect on our lives, to ask the questions about our yeses and about our noes. Uh, we make these choices, we've seen, against the tide of cultural norms, cultural values. We live in a productivity culture that tells us we are valuable to the degree that we produce. We live in a limit-denying culture that tells us we are good people when we live a no-limits life. We live in an efficiency culture, we've seen, a convenience culture, and a never-never, by God, never-settle culture. So with those pressures, we uh, need to know the game we are in so we know how to choose wisely, how to choose with intention, how to look for the interior light, not the culture self, but the inner light self, not the ego self, but the inner life self. That's been our lesson, and if you've missed any of that, you can have a listen online. Well, today, for this concluding part of the lesson, okay, how? How do we do that? How do we make these hard choices? Well, there are some questions that we'll talk about afterwards to give you some time to be thinking about them. Here they are. Uh, you're going to hear five practical tools that have been given us by the ancients, tools that help us deepen our perception, tools that help us deepen our capacity to perceive. So the question will be, have you ever had a perception deepening experience? And if so, tell about it. And have, has one of these ancient tools ever been part of your perception deepening? So as you hear them being outlined, tell about that. And of these tools, if there's enough time, of these tools, which one do you find the most difficult? Which one's the hardest for you? And why do you suppose that is? All right, let's be thinking about the questions as the lesson goes on. So it's been a recurring theme through this lesson, that productivity is a good thing until it's a bad thing. Pushing against limits is a good thing until it's a bad thing. 
Efficiency is good until it's bad. Convenience is good until it's bad. Not settling is good until it's bad. To make the hard choices, to gain hearts of wisdom, Psalm 90 says it, we are rarely choosing between ugly badness that's clearly ugly, clearly bad, and clearly shining goodness. We are hardly ever choosing between goodness and badness. No, we are usually threading a needle that's much more difficult than that. We are usually seeking some unseen line. Do this good thing, and sure enough, it's good. Then do that good thing again, it's still good. Then do it again and again and again, still good. And keep doing it, now doing it though, out of habit because we've done it so many times because, you know, good. Good things happen when we do this thing. And somewhere along the line, as we keep walking down this do what we've done before pattern that our brains always move us toward, we cross a line. And when we cross that line, good just becomes bad, and now that's a pickle, because we're doing the same thing that we were doing that was good, and now it's not good. Last week I concluded reminding us of the circle, uh, and that conclusion last week kind of points us to what we're going to talk about today. Our ability to make the hard choices when deciding between a clear good and a clear bad, those are not really the hard choices. Those are not really the hard decisions. They're hard because we build habits into things that we do that are bad. But that's actually not the hardest of the hard decisions. The hard ones are choosing between this much is good and crossing some fuzzy line more now is not good. Those are the harder choices. Well, the ancients figured this out for us. They talked to us about it, told us all about it, and they actually gave us tools to help us develop our own interior capacity, the circle. Thank you very much, agents. But also for this particular one, they give us a very particular practice, a very particular tool, and they called it discernment, the practice of discernment. Now through the years, oh yeah, thank you. Was it not on the text there, uh, Jared? You forgot. You're my backup. <laughs> oh, really? He's not the backup anymore? Oh, we're screwed. <laughs> All right, let's go back and tell you what you missed. All right, let's see here. Yep, see, that was, uh, so did you see the questions when I put them up? Yeah, you saw that, Okay. And what <laughs> smart ass? <laughs> you saw the circle. You saw okay. We're oh, we're getting close to this. All right. So let's talk about this thing. So when I have talked about discernment in the past, I've used this phrase a lot. We used to have a banner. I looked and looked and looked for the original artwork. I couldn't find it to show it to you today. Uh, the two-step dance of the spiritual journey. Um, <clears throat> it is desire and pay attention. Desire and pay attention, the two-step dance of the spiritual journey. So here's what we do. We consolidate and we clarify our deepest desires. We try and discern the desires that exist under our ego desires, the desires that exist under our culturally conditioned desires, under our family of origin desires. We look to consolidate and clarify the deepest desires of our hearts. 
And for that, a bunch of practices, by the way, working the circle, we might do that in a prayer to consolidate and clarify our desire. We might do it through journaling. We might do it through a conversation with spiritual friends. Desire. That's the first step in the dance. I desire to live more love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. I desire more wisdom and understanding. I desire more gratitude. I desire to be free of. I desire to be more able to desire. And then, having consolidated and clarified our desire, pay attention. It's been my experience, and it turns out it's not just my experience, what we need for the next step of growth in our lives what we need to move into our next growth frontier, the next iteration of our developing, emerging, interior light self. That's stuff that we need. It's always there. It's always available. But the problem is paying attention is not our brain's default setting. So the ancients helped us, and they said, here are some things you can do that will help you crystallize your desire help you focus and discern your deeper desire, help you call that desire forth. Step one of the dance, consolidate and clarify that desire. Step two of the dance, here's a whole bunch of tools that will help pay attention. Now, you know, just like I do, that there are a whole bunch of desires that every one of us have that do not come from the interior light self. Uh, Most of the desires that we are aware of are ego desires or culturally conditioned desires. The welcome prayer reminds us to be on the lookout for a lot of those ego desires, power desires, affirmation desires, security desires. Now, again, every one of those things, power, uh, affirmation, security, they're not bad things. They're very good things but they are rarely Goldilocks things. They are rarely just the right amount things. Usually they're compulsions. Usually they're deeply ingrained drivers that push us unconsciously into choices and decisions and lives that we live. So desire sounds simple, but unearthing those things that are deep within us, the truer parts of us, this is some work. So tools. Again, thank you, ancient wisdom. Here are a few of them. I'm just going to turn around. That's the, that's it. Hey, future generations, the ancient wisdom tells us, try changing your physical location. The desert is a perennial favorite. Go there. The mountaintop, also good. Being beside the water, also good. Going on a journey to somewhere you've never been before, a pilgrimage it's called, also good. Because we can change our physical location and the spiritual implication is it begins to change our perspective. Change our physical location and begin to change our perspective. We actually deepen our capacity to listen beyond, to listen deeper than when we change our physical location. For years and years and years, I went to a monastery down in uh, South Carolina, and I would go there until I realized this had become like another home. (laughs) I was so familiar with the place and so comfortable with the place, I started going to a different place to shake up and to get out of the patterns to which I'd become accustomed. We go to a different physical location 
to change our perceptions, to change our mental perspective, change our listening patterns, change our receptivity posture. First, we change our physical location. The second thing that we do, we practice thought watching. It's a weird thing being this human self that we are because there is the me that desire desires what the culture tells me to desire. To be this kind of productive so I will be this kind of valuable. At least in other people's minds, I will have value and worth. To be this kind of limit denier to impress these other people. To get more done in less time to achieve these objectives so I can feel good about my productivity. To be a never settle, never settle, never settle kind of person. We've got all of those desires in there. We couldn't not have them. We grew up in this culture. We absorbed this culture. There is that me. And most of the time, that me runs the show. And most of the time does it on autopilot. Does it with chemical impulses that are driving uh, behaviors, driving perceptions, driving actions, driving thoughts. But, again, funny thing being human, there is also another me. And this one can watch that me. There is part of me that can stand outside those thoughts and watch me think them. So let's try that right now. You are listening to what I'm saying. But while you are listening to what I am saying, there is part of you that can watch yourself listen to what I'm saying. Go ahead and do that. Watch yourself listening to what I'm saying. It's a thing we can do. That means that I am capable of, I have the capacity to watch myself automatically go to Amazon to buy a thing because it's convenient. I can do that, and I can also stand outside of me doing that and watch myself do that. I can stand outside of the experience of spending a full day running at full speed, being very efficient, driven by some objective that I picked up from some other person's value set, and then I can at the end of the day stand back and say, oh yeah, that's me, I did that. I can observe myself doing that. So there's the me that does the thing. There's also a me that can observe myself doing the thing and that observing myself doing the thing self, that tends to get very little of our focus and tends to get very little of our attention. The chemical impulse me, that tends to get the lion's share, tends to get more focus and attention. So the ancients taught us, here's a way out of that pickle. Practice thought watching. You know how we do it. We do it with centering prayer. We do it with mindfulness meditation. We create a space. We have fewer distractions. And we watch our thoughts. Friday on the 6.30 Zoom, we said good morning as we do. Turn on the timer as we do. Practice meditation as we do. The timer finished as it does. And we were saying goodbye. And as we were saying goodbye, I did what I always do. I thanked people for showing up because knowing that they're going to show up, I show up and that makes me steady, makes me consistent. But before we left, I said this. It is a good thing that we do not measure our success in this practice. It is a good thing that it is a practice. It is a good thing it is not a performance. Because if it was a performance, and if we measured that performance by how not thinking thoughts we are, today would have been abject failure for Doug Hammock. <laughs> because today 
heavy-duty wandering mind. Wander, 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 race, 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 thoughts, thoughts, thoughts. And I would see my thoughts, and I would return to my breath, and if, if I went a minute, I don't even know that I would go 60 seconds. If I went a minute, the next thing I know, there goes the thoughts again, off running like wild horses. But here's why it is a practice. It is not a performance. If it was a performance, again, Friday was a bad day for Doug, but it wasn't a bad day. It was actually a great day. Because in those minutes, here's what I did. I watched my thoughts. Now, I watched them run like wild horses. Yes, that's true. I watched them every time I would return my focus to my breath, run off again. That's true. But because I was with those folks, and because they had zoomed in with me, and because I had showed up, here's what I didn't do that day. I didn't do the exact same thing, wild horse running thoughts, at my computer. I didn't do it lying in bed. I didn't not watch that happen. Because here's the thing, over time, Practice thought watching helps us become thought watchers. And when we are thought watchers, when an American cultural current comes along and pulls us, we see when it happens because we have become thought watchers. We practice mindfulness meditation. We practice centering prayer. In a, a couple of weeks ago, we mentioned another way to do this in During What Are You Thinking? We practice, throw it away afterwards so nobody ever reads it and we don't edit while we do it, journaling. Practice that kind of journaling. Watch as our stream of consciousness comes out on a page and then stand back from that and say, oh, I did not even realize I was thinking that. Uh, Denise uses a pattern that I, I found. So make a list of things that are stressing you now. Make a list of things that are stressing you in the past. Make a list of your growing desires. And then every once in a while, go to one of those things and just decide that's what you're going to journal about, about that thing. And then just watch what comes out. We practice thought watching to help us not be dominated by thoughts. The thoughts that usually dominate, ego thoughts, culture thoughts, habit thoughts. We change our physical location to change our perspective. We practice thought watching. We set an intention. Ask a question. There is plenty of ugly stuff on the internet. But there is also some really beautiful stuff. And one of the most helpful things that I have found on the internet is lists of good questions. If you Google it, you can find some great questions for getting to know people. I have a whole list of them in my phone, ready at a quick reference. Whenever I'm walking into a situation, I have a list of questions that will engage a uh, more intriguing conversation. You can find a list of questions that will help kids respond to your questions with more than two grunts. <laughs> you can find questions to help you probe relationship health, and you can find really good questions about the deeper desires of our hearts. This lesson invited several of those questions. Where <clears throat> have we been valuable to the degree that we produce and in so doing gone too far? Where have we gone too far in the I am valuable to the degree that I produce? Or where have I 
been drawn into an ill-advised yes or an ill-advised no by pursuing the no limits culture? Where have I become overly attached to ease or to comfort? That came up in one of our what are you thinking times. <coughs> Where have I been more attached to ease at the expense of something more important? Uh, what am I acting on fear about? What am I avoiding because I fear it? Or who? Who might I be avoiding because I have a fear? There are a gazillion help me discern my deeper desire questions. And it turns out, pick one, give it some time and give it some space, maybe a week. Give it a framework to support it, like changing physical location or changing perspective, even driving home through a different route. Practice thought watching. And when we ask those questions, very often it has been my experience, there is often waiting to bubble up an insight. Ah, this is a deeper desire. Ah, this is a yes that I want to say. Change location, practice thought watching, set an intention, ask good questions, and be a listener, befriend listeners. If you've been part of our community for a while, you know how central listening is. Our whole practice of self-awareness, founded on listening. Our whole practice of conflict resolution, founded on listening. We did not start working on social justice issues until we did a listening campaign. Squarely founded on being a community that listens. Being and having spiritual friends who listen. Now what you may not know is that when I was taking that general human principle, that general spiritual principle, and I was fashioning it into a set of practices that people could learn and people could do and people could get better at, I fell in love with the Quakers. <clears throat> it would serve you well to find out how Quakers think. If Quakers did ministers, I might have become one of them. <laughs> so learn everything that you can about Quaker discernment circles because those are practices that can be internalized into our daily lives. Even better, read everything that Parker Palmer has ever written. If you prefer a business application, look at Nancy Klein's book there, A Time to Think. You've heard me, if you've been around the community, you've heard me talk about it for a long time. If she isn't or if she hasn't been a Quaker, I'll be shocked. There is deeply embedded in a community that listens a profound aspect of our human spirituality. So spirituality and a community that listens are traveling companions. But it turns out Evolutionary biology is also part of the deal. We were made for sharing information with one another. Those in our distant past who would listen. And those in our distant past who would tell. They're the ones who found the food. And survived to pass on their genes. And figured out fire. And figured out how to plant seeds. And figured out how to stay away from snakes. And because that's part of our onboard uh, wiring, the spiritual tradition then came along and said, well, we can build on that onboard wiring. We can build on that instinct that we carry. And here are some tools to help us talk and to help us listen. B 
because if you change your location and if you practice thought watching and if you set an intention and ask a question and then tell somebody what comes up in that process, it turns out our brains will reward us. Take an internal understanding that you come to, an internal desire that emerges, an internal nudge or an internal prompt, and talk about it. And our brains reward us for doing that by deepening our understanding, by deepening our experience, by deepening our awareness. A talked about experience becomes a deepened experience. So in evolutionary language, the system rewards any behavior that will advantage the offspring. Do a thing, get a reward, a little squirt of dopamine, you'll do it again. In spiritual language, you are a carrier of the interior light. That is a deep, deep part of who you are. And the deep in you, the the psalmist says, calls to the deep and calls to the deep in one another. Create a listening environment be rewarded. If you're on the live stream or if you all tune into the live stream from time to time, uh, you won't hear the second dismissal. Here's what we do when we dismiss you on the live stream. Hand on your heart, other hand to our city. We do that. But then after you've been dismissed, we uh, talk with one another. And then at the end, we stand up and I dismiss a second time. And when I dismiss the second time, I say something like this. You have heard twice today that we are, every one of us, carriers of the inner light. Which means you are within chatting distance of someone who is a carrier of the interior light. It might behoove you to get to know, spend some time, hang out with, maybe go to lunch with someone who is a carrier of the interior light because that's a core bedrock of this spiritual tradition. That's why I think spiritual language matters. Now, you will not be surprised that me, being a minister, tends to value the spiritual language because I think it has value. I don't think it's at odds with scientific language. I don't think we have to be threatened by science. I don't think we have to fight science. I don't think any of that stuff. But I also think we can get to things through the language of religion, the language that's closer to poetry, to myth, and to metaphor, and and simile, (laughs) that we can get to that helps us access part of the human experience that we don't always access when we look at it purely through scientific language. So, deep calls to deep is poetic, or evolutionary altruism is scientific. However you get there, be a listener. Befriend listeners. Create in your life a listening environment. Learn to give quality attention to another person. Learn to create unrushed spaces for others. Unurgent spaces. Learn to not interrupt. To allow one another to dig up the interior voice because it takes some work getting past the ego compulsion uh, drives. Learn to not jump in and offer advice. Learn to not jump in and fix a problem because you've got a solution to that problem. Learn to not advise. Start with the premise that we are, every one of us, carriers of the indwelling light. Sure, there's plenty of other stuff in there. You know it, I know it, we've got it. But somewhere needs to honor this founding premise that we are every one of us carriers of the interior light and spiritual community is about the best place that we have to begin to honor that. So, we listen. We surround ourselves with people who listen. 
By the way, right now, Christy is gathering deposits for our self-awareness retreat in the fall, uh, and listening skill is a central part of that process. The folks who went last year, we're starting to ask them to be listeners in the spaces uh, that we are finding that that can help. Uh, So you might want to go get the training and learn how to be a good listener. It's a great thing. Finally, <coughs> practice watchfulness. Watchfulness is, comes from the spiritual tradition. Uh, it really means pay attention. <laughs> Be a watcher. So I'm going to finish with one of our community's tribal myths. It's a story I tell often. Uh, Denise and I bought an Izusu oasis back when the kids were little. We were just starting the church, and so we were broke as broke can be, and our car broke down. The engine just died. So we bit the bullet, and we broke a commitment that we had made to ourselves to never borrow money for a car. Now, what we wanted was we wanted a Honda Odyssey because, you know, consumer reports and because room for the kids, but a Honda Odyssey is pricey. But we found out in those, there was a few years in which uh, Isuzu made the passport for Honda, and Honda made the Oasis for Isuzu. So in essence, we got a Honda Odyssey for an Isuzu price, which was about four and a half, almost $5,000 less. And we felt smart. <laughs> we thought, what clever buyers we are. <laughs> we had never seen an Isuzu Oasis before. How clever we were to have discovered this little gem. And then we bought it. And then we started seeing Isuzu Oases everywhere. <laughs> At first, I said, look, Denise, we started a trend. (laughs) But the truth was, we had never seen one before, and now we see them everywhere, and the only thing that changed, we were paying attention. A series of circumstances reconfigured things, and now we are paying attention. What we need to discern our yeses and to discern our noes. What we need, everything we need, to grow into our yeses. It's always there. When we talk about someone nearby, you're in chatting distance of someone who's a carrier of the interior light. There's a very good chance what you need for your next growth step is there. The next time someone tells you about a book, the next time you are suggested a podcast, there's a very good chance that is just a moment waiting to tell you this is what you need for your next step. It's always there, but again, as I said a moment ago, our brains are hardwired to not notice, to not pay attention. It's just neurons and dendrites, brain tricks. And so the spiritual tradition gives us a set of practices. These will help you wake up, change your location, Practice thought watching. Set an intention. Ask a question. Create a listening environment. Be a listener and surround yourself with listeners. Do that, and it turns out there are Isuzu oases everywhere. What we need is everywhere. Desire, pay attention, the two-step dance of the spiritual journey. So join a group. Invite someone to lunch. Ask about one another's souls. Start journaling. Meditate on Zoom or come on a Sunday. Create a list of self-awareness questions. Put one on the dash of your car for a week and then wait a month and then put another one on the dash of your car. Go on a retreat in Dwelling Divine. 
the ability to make hard choices. That's our prayer. The ability to discern that which is below the ego and the culturally conditioned self. That's our prayer. Discern, to discern how we will live out our yeses. That's our prayer. Amen. Well, if you would, get out your phone again, because we all give online now. Uh, point your camera at the clever little QR code. You can thumb type, our web, or you can uh, go to our website. Lots of options, lots of ways to give. I mentioned the last several weeks that we have been a generous community since I've been here. Uh, there was only one time when we were close to not making it. That was like 2008, right after the financial crisis. Uh, I saw the budget report this month. And when you get it, I think it'll come out in a week or two, you're going to see that we went into the red last month. But here's what that wasn't about. That wasn't about people giving less money. We gave what we normally give in the month of January. Actually, we gave a little bit more. But we've had a lot of expenses. Moving in, uh, you would not have known it today, (laughs) but we're actually spending money to make this room really work for us. (laughs) It's going to work for us and our kids' room, and we're going to figure out a lot of things that are going on. So I am very confident that we will be able to occupy this new space, handle the extra expenses that come along the way. I'm also confident we're going to be able to take care of our kids and our teenagers this year because you have been keeping in mind what I say every week which is this, there is good return when we invest in spiritual community because we give our time and we give our energy and we give our love and we give our dollars. And then the community takes those resources and amplifies them and gives them back to us in the form of an environment in which we flourish, in which we thrive. So again, we all give online uh, as easy as can be uh, on our website. All right, uh, these are the questions we're going to be discussing. In a minute, we are going to dismiss you all on the live stream. And here in the room, we are going to do what are you thinking? Uh, Now, if you're online, you may not know this, that one of the distinguishing marks of our community is what we do next. Uh, We know how hard it is for you to click on that link. It's right there in the YouTube notes and go to a Zoom with people you don't know. But here's the problem. We don't have any other way to do it except that. We can't figure out a way to more naturally invite you. So I think it would be worth your uh, overcoming the resistance to go ahead, click the link, and go in and say, I'm new here, I just want to watch. So what you'll find is people who want to take what we've talked about today and talk about it together. And it turns out, talking about deepens our experience of. So I hope you'll do it. I hope you'll go. You can find the link there in the YouTube notes. You can also find the link on the front page of our website. And if you've been around this long, we'll tell you what the password is. It is 1417. 1417. All right, let's dismiss the folks online. If you would, please put your hand on your heart. And let's remember as we are preparing to let them go that we are, every one of us, carriers of the indwelling divine. That's the second time. (laughs) You heard it once earlier. We are, every one of us, carriers of what is often called the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love is in there, joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness. It's all in us. Now, there's some other stuff in there, too, but that is in us. Well, let's look for opportunities this week to share what is already in us with the people, if you would extend your other hand to our city, with the people that we live with, work with, go to school with, the people with whom we share our city. Let's look for opportunities to repair and heal our worlds. Amen. God bless you all. You are dismissed. Uh, Hope you'll join us on What Are You Thinking? 
If these recordings help you move forward on your spiritual journey, we hope you'll take an ownership stake in the community and support the health and well-being of the community. Go to our website, commonthreadchurch.org. The donate button is right there on the top. Thank you.